Well, welcome everybody to uh, Rise Church, and we're actually wrapping up Dream House today, and we're excited that you're here. Uh, man, I'm so excited to see all of our Rise kids inside service today, and uh, it's exciting. Isn't that awesome just to see all the kids in here and worship with us? Come on. Welcome all of our, our children here. I got four of my boys. I got four of the five in here. Couldn't bring in the little one because, well, he didn't, he's not old enough, so we left him in the kids. So anyway, uh, man, we're so glad that you guys are here. Hey, so it's different today. Everybody say different. So it's different intentionally. We're doing this on, on purpose, and so the, I'm going to tell you a few ways, reasons why, but you know, one of the main reasons we wanted to do this was because uh, since we launched our service uh, September 30th, we had, you know, we had a brand new church launch real, real soon. Uh, we have never had our Rise Kids teams in for service. They've sacrificed uh, their moment to actually come in here and be with our church and hear the message and worship with us, and so they were able to be in here, and so I just wanted to take a moment on behalf of our entire church and our family and just our staff. Will you you celebrate all of our Rise Kids leaders who serve on a weekly basis that don't get to come in here. Come on, celebrate them. Man, we're, we're just so happy that, uh, that, we're, that you guys are here. Thank you for your sacrifice. Um, one of the reasons we're doing this is because, um, we, you know, well, there's several reasons we like to do this. We're going to continue to do this on a regular basis as long as, you know, it, it makes sense to us. But as we're going to continue this, and the reason we want to do that is because part of what, what our goal is as a church is to show and model for our kids what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. And you don't know this, but if you're a parent in here, your example to them is way better than my example or their friend's example or their teacher's example or even the kids class teachers leaders in their examples you are the primary source of of uh, example for them to see what it's like to be a worshiper so they should have watched you worship they need to watch you sing they need to watch you lift your hands they need to watch you read your bible you are a huge example to them we wanted to give you an opportunity to do that second reason really is we wanted to showcase a little bit of kind of our teaching style of what we do inside Rise Kids. So everybody today, all the adults, everybody in here sitting here, we're all going to have a version of Rise Y'all are going to be Rise Kids today a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So you're going to access your kid hat, and if you're one of those old fuddy-duddy people who, and you don't have to be old in age, you can have like an old spirit, like you're 25 and you don't have no fun. Nobody invites you to the party. Put a smile on your face today. You're going to have fun. Everybody say Fun. All right, we're not going to be bothered by the kids talking and crying and screaming, and our ushers aren't going to come usher them out. They're going to bring more kids and put them right on you. So it's going to be awesome. So anyway, anyway, so we were in the middle of a series called Dream House. We had some ground rules. Number one, we're not speaking as uh, experts today. I've never spoken this up. Uh, you know, I'm not, hey, I got the perfect family, or I know exactly how to do it, or let me tell you what to do because I do it. We opened up the Bible and looked at Scripture and really what it was like, uh, what God has to say about a family. However, I get the privilege today to share the stage. I want to introduce you to our executive pastor of our church. Some of you don't know we have an executive. We have an executive pastor at our church. Uh, he works on our staff. He pretty much runs our entire church for us and helps me just he listens he goes pastor what idea you have today and he's all right I'll make it happen and so he's an incredible friend to me and an incredible man of God in himself um pastor everybody say hi pastor Jason come on welcome him tell me tell me you love him Hello. all right um, so I'm not an expert. However, I would say that if I had close to be some close of a version of an expert, he would never want me to say this, but this man is incredibly skilled uh, in terms of family ministries. His background is primarily in family ministries. He's been in ministry over 20 years. Um, he's, he's a dad of four children himself. He's got uh, everyone, uh, kids from three years old, three-year-old boy Lincoln, all the way up to an 18-year-old girl. And so he's been around for a long time, been married over 20 years, incredible father. Um, he actually uh, travels right now and consults. Um, on behalf of major ministry leaders inside the body of Christ. So he goes to mega churches, big churches, and consults with them, lets them know how to do family ministries. And guess what, y'all? He works at 
our church. And so y'all are blessed. And so he's exciting to have him here. And uh, hey, you're awesome. Glad you're here. So, all right. So, uh, we talked about in week one, we really talked about this idea of dream home that in order for us to achieve a dream home, you and I, you and I, everybody say me. Yeah, that's you. You and I, we actually have a proper idea of what a dream home is because if you and I think dream homes are what we only see on Facebook or on Instagram or what you, you know, like you all saw it this week on Thanksgiving Day, everybody posted their Thanksgiving family holiday picture, right? They put it up and it was perfect and every hair was in place and no kids were screaming and nobody was crying and everybody was getting along. That ain't reality. And so we look at that sometimes and go, we want to be that. That's what we want to be, but they don't even want to be, they can't be that. You can't be that. And so we we wanted to reform what this idea of dream house, dream house, dream home was. And so we really defined it as this, as a gathering of flawed human beings telling God's redemptive story. You are flawed. Your kids sitting next to you are flawed. Your neighbor is flawed. Look at your neighbor and say, you got issues. Just look at them and tell them right now. Tell them, you got issues. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So we all got issues. We all got issues. Some of you just looked at your kids and you looked at them and you said, pastor told me to tell you this, you got issues. And so... We all got issues, but we're all telling God's redemptive story. He wants to tell a redeeming story through your life. And so that's what we defined in week one. Week two, we talked a little bit about how dream homes are built and led by people who follow the plan. They follow the word of God, that God is the architect of the family. He created the family. He knows what the family should look like, be like. He knows what the kids should do. He knows what the dad should do. He knows what the mom should do. He knows how you should live your life and parent your kids, whether you come from a, a, a family where you, you had your children together or you're a split family and trying to merge two families together. He knows exactly what to do. He knows how to do it. So following his plan will help you build a great life. And so uh, week three, last week, we kind of talked about how, okay, once you have it built, how do you care for it? We talked a little bit about really just the idea that you need to be able to replace at times. You need to be able to renew at times. You need to be able to remove at times. There's some things that you and I are going to have to do to keep our house up like you do in your own home. And so that's what we talked about. But today, everybody say today. today. Come on, rise, kids. If you're a kid in here, say to today. There we go. We got kids in here today. Today, we're going to talk about how to be a legacy lever, how to be a legacy lever, how to think a legacy instead of destiny. Before we do that, I want to pray. Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you that today, God, we are going to have an incredible moment with you as our families are gathered in this church together. We're thankful for what you're doing inside of us. We're honored that you're here with us. And we ask you right now, Lord, to just put a spirit of calm on every child in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, uh, you know, as a kid, my uh, dad was in the army, so I was an army brat. And so, uh, but my wife, she, her parents lived in the same house her entire life. They, she grew up in the one house. I just counted in my mind, just did a quick count, 18 different houses that we lived in as a kid. I, I lived in 18 different houses as a kid. So it's hard to have a dream house when you've lived in 18 different houses. But, but my wife's family lived in one house until, and they had lived in that house until just a few years ago, her, her parents did. And so I remember, though, that there was one house that, that in particular that we lived in twice because my dad, we got, we, we, we got deployed and we bought a house and then we came back to that house because we knew we would get stationed back there again. 
And so we went back to that house. And I remember that after I moved out of the house, we moved out. My dad got out of the army. We moved to, uh, from that time I was in from Oklahoma to Missouri. And I remember thinking back at that house and thinking, man, that house was great. And I remember that town that I went to high school in for the first time. And I thought it was so amazing. Like, I, I, I just loved that town. And I loved the church I was a part of that we grew up in. And I just really, and I was telling my wife all about it. We had been married a few years. And I was like, this house was amazing. This is the house I grew up in. And, and the church I was a part of, it was amazing. And the town I grew up in, it was amazing. And so I took my wife back there. It would have been over 18 years ago because she was pregnant with my oldest. And so we go back to this little town where I had grown up in for, for you know, two of the periods of, of moving. And, and so I go back and I'm, and I'm driving into the town and I'm like, this, where did the amazing town go? This is terrible. I was like, well, but, but we'll go to the house that I grew up in. We'll, we'll drive over to that neighborhood. So I, I drove over there. It was the, you know, I remember, you know, putting a dent in the garage because I was driving, you know, and first learning to drive. And so we go in there and I'm like, I drove by the house. And I'm like, that's not amazing. That's terrible. And then, I, then that next Sunday, we went to the church that I grew up in. And because I was already a pastor at that time, I can't go to church without like picking apart like what should be better. And I went there and I'm like, this is terrible. They can't preach. They can't, this worship is horrible. But I remember growing up thinking this was the best in the world. What was it that made me feel that way? Well, there was a memory and a nostalgia about those things that said that was the dream town. That was the dream church. That was the dream house that we grew up in. I want a house just like that when I grow up. But I went back and I realized, oh, perspective changed things a little bit for me. But nostalgia and memory made it feel like it was better than it was. Everybody say better. And that reminds me that God really talks a lot about nostalgia and memory in the scriptures. And as I read one scripture here to you guys, I want to share a little context with you. Is, is that in the, in, the, in the beginning, you know, God created and he raised up a people. And as he raised up a people, for, for whatever reason, they wind up finding themselves in Egypt. In slavery, in Egypt being being put to work, building things for the Pharaoh there. And as they're there... Uh, God raises up a man named Moses who's going to be the leader of his people. And so God's having this conversation with Moses in Exodus 3, verse 6. Here's what God says to him. He says, I am the God of your father. Everyone say father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So why is that significant to Moses? Because when the Israelite people looked back on their history, they didn't have the written Bible. They had a verbal tradition. And they would have talked a lot about Abraham. They would have talked a lot about Isaac. They would have talked a lot about Jacob. And so as God is telling Moses... I'm the God of your father. Hey, this is who I am. You may have forgotten about me. You think I've forgotten about you, but let me tell you, I'm the God of Abraham. <gasps> Abraham, wow, he's great. He says, I'm the God of Isaac. Whoa, he's amazing. The God of Jacob. Wow. That's what Moses would have thought as he would have heard those voices. And then uh, those names in verse 15, God repeats it again. He says, now here's what I want you to do is I'm calling you to be the leader. I want you to go in. I want you to tell the, he said, tell this to the people. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors. Everyone say ancestors. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
And the God of Jacob has sent me. So he repeats it again. He says, now tell the people. Because they would have heard. They would have been talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And they would have been something they knew about. He says, this is my eternal name. My name to remember for all generations. Everyone say, all generations. And then God repeats again in verse 16. He says, now go and get all the elders together. He says, get the leaders together and tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. So God is playing on that because of their verbal tradition, they would have talked about Abraham. They would have talked about Isaac. They would have talked about Jacob. Well, here's what you need to know is Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. So what we see is God speaking to generations, and working in this nostalgia in memory of his people. And so God identified himself with these generations, and he called himself a multi-generational God, really. He called himself a legacy God. That's good. So part of the reason why we want to share that with you is because if you're a, if you're a parent in here, if you're uh, maybe you're a grandparent in here, maybe you're an aunt, you're an uncle, um, maybe you feel like you don't have it or you don't have a child in here from a natural sense. You need to know this, that God has called all of us to be parents somehow. It's the reason we use this, uh, uh, this term called spiritual family inside of our church. So if you come to rise on a regular basis, you will hear me and you'll hear our team talk about when you come here, you're not coming to be a part of an organization or a religion or denomination. None of that stuff's going to stand the test of time. What will stand the test of time is the followers or the families of God. We believe that we're not friends, we're family. That if you come in here and you do life with us, we call it spiritual family. In fact, it's one of our values and that our goal, even if you don't have a child in here, even if you've never had a kid, you can't have kids, or you don't want to have kids, even if, no matter where you are on the spectrum, you and I are called to have sons and daughters. You and I have to think multi-generational because we serve a multi-generational God. Amen. That you and I have a responsibility to think about that. So you could be in here and be like, well, I'm glad we're doing a family service. I ain't got no family. Well, that's on you. You need to hear that. Like, that's on you. You and I need to live in this world where we're not hermits living in a mountain somewhere. Come on. I like mountains. And I like being by myself sometimes. But we're not called to live like that. We're called to be multi-generationally. In fact, that's how we kind of think about it when we're with your kids and rise kids back there. They're not our children, but let me just tell you, I have a lot of spiritual sons and daughters. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I have a lot. Before those kids came, I had, before I had sons, I had spiritual sons. Amen. And I had people that I was speaking into on a regular basis, and I was loving on them. I'm telling them things. I'm like, hey, come on, man, don't be like that, and don't act like that, and don't say that to your parents, and why are you stealing that stuff, and all this. I mean, I was... What I was do, what was I doing? I was fathering the generation coming behind me because God fathers generations without. Well, he's the father to the fatherless, and so you and I have a responsibility. Now, why does that matter? Here's why it matters: because if you build a home, if you build your dream home spiritually, it could become when you are gone, when you're dead and gone. Here's what we know: two things that are pretty sure in the world: death and taxes. Right? Just is what it is. But you and I are going to be gone one day. We will not be on this earth. And the danger of thinking destiny over legacy is that you would think I accomplished what God put in my heart. And I got my destiny and I did what I needed to do. When you're gone and you're long gone, ain't nobody going to be around to keep that going. Because you reached your, your pinnacle and your destiny. You did your dream, but you forgot all the generations that were coming after you. Whether you made them or you didn't. 
And so there's an interesting scripture even inside 2 Samuel uh, of a man named Absalom, which is one of David's sons. And he, he, he kind of gets a bad rap because he would stand at the gates of the, of the city of David, he would, you know, his kingdom. And people would come to Absalom and he would ask, he would, he would, they would complain about, about David to Absalom. And Absalom would go, well, listen, if you just kind of look at, I would take care of it. I would get you justice if, you, if I was your king. And he would talk, talk bad about David. And what, what, what wound up happening was, is that the Bible actually talks Absalom never had any sons. And it says this, it says during his lifetime, this is Absalom, Absalom had built a monument. Everybody say monument. Monument, monument unto himself in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to carry on my name. When you don't create spiritual sons and daughters, when you don't think legacy over destiny, when you think only I'm going to get mine during my lifetime, you wind up building monuments. People come to remember and think about what the days were all good. But when you think legacy, when you think about the kids sitting next to you and the kids that you're trying to raise up, the sons and daughters, when you think legacy, what you're thinking about is, man, it's not just going to be alive and going when I'm alive and going. It's going to be alive and going for generations. The point even Christianity was built on the idea, listen, of legacy. Because if Jesus was only there to fulfill his destiny, it would have died and gone with Jesus, but it didn't. Jesus raised up spiritual sons. There is the most spiritual, maybe the most Christian thing, Pastor Jason, in this world, is that if you don't have natural sons and daughters to raise up spiritual sons and daughters to keep on the legacy that you are trying to. To do today, think this destiny is not what you achieve, legacy is what you leave. Destiny is what you achieve, legacy is what you leave. What are you leaving for the next generation? That's good, that's good. So, we're gonna get real practical today, and we're gonna give you one thing you can do. Everyone say one thing, one thing, one thing you can do. I like uh, one thing, one thing, one thing, because we know we see the kids squirming out there, and, and some of the children too. And, uh, <laughs> And you know, this is, a, this is really timely, this one thing, because of the week this is. And this one thing you can do is to be thankful, to be thankful. And of course, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. But do you know Thanksgiving is more than just a day where we practice gluttony? Uh, it's supposed to be a lifestyle. It's supposed to be an attitude that we have at all times. And uh, you know, last Thanksgiving, around last Thanksgiving, uh, my family was my wife purchased a old uh, turntable console. It's a 1961, like it's old, wooden, big, heavy, and it, and it obviously has a turntable or, or slash, if you call it a record player, uh, in it. And, and my wife had that previous January, we lost my mother-in-law to cancer. And she had quite a record collection, and she gave. We got those, and one of those we got was "Music to Trim Your Tree" by this record here. And so I got the record player going and fixed up and fixed it to where it would play a record. And we're trimming the tree, and we're doing everything around the house, and we're decorating at our house there. And I get this going, and I start playing this record. And my kids are, first of all, they're mesmerized. They're like, Dad, what's this giant black CD? <laughs> and it, it was kind of sensitive, so if you jump too much, you know, it's, it just skipped a little bit there. But my whole family, we came around, and we're like dancing in the living room to like the music, and it's just, we're just having fun to this technology that's from a gone by era, right? And in my pocket, I had a better technology, 
I had something better, something that sounded better, something that I can jump around and it'll never skip. And I can play it through Bluetooth speakers and it can, I can crank it up and it won't go crackle. It'll sound great, digital. But I could have gotten so caught up in the better that I missed the best for my family in that moment. And you know what the best was? Put on that record and dance around the living room and to have just childlike celebration of Christmas in that moment. And here's what our trap is. In this world, we're always struggling for better, 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 that we're missing the best. It's okay to go after better, but our struggle for better can't cause us to miss what's best in our lives. And in Ephesians, here's a scripture that really gives us an antidote to searching after the best. And it says this, and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's going to be our verse that we're going to walk away with here today. We always like our kids to walk away with the verse. And so I want everyone to say, give thanks for everything. You got to get intense on the everything part. Come on. Everyone say, give thanks for everything. All right, kids, later we're going to show our parents how we do, all right? We're going sh- to show them how we do. And so thankfulness causes us, instead of focus on the worst or the trying to find the better, is to be the best, is to understand what God's best is. And so, you know, as parents, we want our kids to have better than we had. How many parents want your kids to have better than you have? Yeah, yeah. How many of you, maybe you don't have kids, you want to have better than your parents gave you? Come on. You want to have better than what they had. Yeah, that's just natural that we go after better. But make sure that when we're going after the better, we're not sacrificing the best. That we're not sacrificing the best. Our struggle for a better technology, better job, better house, better stuff, better car, better clothes, better, 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 better. That we're not forgetting about the best things that God has already given us. Do we enjoy what God has given us? Now, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to, there's just something I do. I know I'm just totally walking off the stage right now. You're not going to be able to see me. It's okay. Uh, There's just something we do at our family. We have a couple different practices that we do around the table year round, not just at Thanksgiving where we go around and we say, hey, everyone has to say one thing you're thankful for, and you can't say what you've already said last week, and you can't say what anyone else at the table has already said. We're going to go around the table, and we're going to say one thing we're thankful for. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do right now. I want to find some kids, stand-up kids, who are willing to tell me what you're thankful for. Raise your hand if you're willing to tell everybody in the microphone. This is dangerous. When I, when I went to Children's Ministry 101, they said, never give kids microphones phones because they'll you never know what they're going to say what are you thankful for you got to tell us all what you're thankful for tell us what you're thankful for i'm thankful god gave all of us a life awesome yeah malachi i'm thankful that i'm getting baptized aj aj I'm thankful that God gave us a planet. Yeah. Let me get a couple more over here. Who wants to tell? I'm Trinity. thankful God gave us a planet too. Yeah. I'm thankful for um, that God uh, made us. Yeah, he made us. That's he right. created us. We're wonderfully made. That's right. Right over here. Excuse me. 
My family and food. Yeah, food! <laughs> Somebody give her a candy. I'm thankful, I'm thankful for our shelter. Yeah, we have, we have a place to live. All right, one more. This last one. I'm thankful for my family. That's yeah, right. all right. Pastor Aaron? So I think, you know, we're, we're, we're going to wrap it up here, but, but part of the reason that it's important that we're thankful if you're building a legacy is because you'll forget what you have. Pastor Jason, what he's teaching you is you'll miss out what you really have. Amen. It's good. And it's just a tough generation right now because you can see what you don't have very easily. And just because you don't have it doesn't mean you don't have something of value. And if you miss what you have of value, you'll never honor it and you'll never want to keep it. And you know what? You'll never value it enough to make sure it lasts the test of time. Great dream homes are built with those people who think legacy and think of thankfulness at their first. You have a responsibility to the children in your life to raise them in a way. It's, it's bigger than just raising them and then they believe in God. That's one part of it. Raising them in the things of God are way more important. And honestly, they're harder to do because there's so many more people. There's so many more things. There's so much more of culture that's competing with their value systems. Help them create values of thankfulness, yes. create values of family. They should be, re children should be unfolded, not molded. They are on God created them and we are designed to unfold them in life. Unfold the gifts, unfold, but do that in a way that they are they are unfolded into the things of God. They can be they can be the most precious gifts, or they could be the opposite. And oftentimes, oftentimes we're the we're the, the culprits of that. So we want to teach them to be thankful. And here's so there's, here's homework today, okay? So everybody in here, we're all gonna have homework. Kids, you're gonna have homework. Adults, we're gonna have homework. These this is homework. fun homework. This is fun Good homework. homework. To work at home. I want you to write down five things you're thankful for with your kids. Write them down. Actually, write them down. Go home, write them down on pieces of paper, if you can find it or put it on your phone. But write it down. Next five things. Write five things you're thankful for with your spouse. Write five good. things you're That's thankful good. for with your job right now. No, Pastor, I'm not thankful for my job. It's terrible. That's okay. You can find five things you're thankful for. That's How about good. the fact that you have one? Yeah. Five things you're thankful for with your extended family. Like, Pastor, you don't know about what happened at Thanksgiving. We're all arguing. Well, be thankful you have somebody to argue with. Yeah. That could be one of them. And the last thing I say, be five, write five things down you're thankful for with your health. Amen. That's be good. Five the studies actually show scientifically... That if you write them down and acknowledge things that you're thankful for, you actually are healthier and happier. So if you want to be healthier and happier, start yes. acknowledging the things that you're yeah. thankful for. Amen. That's good. That's good. You'll even sleep better is what I've read. You'll sleep better if you Come practice on, thankfulness. Some so some of y'all ain't got no sleep. I know why. I got five kids. I need sleep. All right. Yeah. We're going to do what we like to call the answer or the point in kids. And this is one thing we do. We do a point or an answer every week that we tell the kids, hey, if your mom or dad ask you, what did we learn today? Because you do ask your kids. Those are the two questions I've noticed that parents ask their, their kids is, oh, what did you learn today? And did you have fun? And so we put... Uh, everything into a point, what's the point of the day, to make sure that when they leave, they know what they learned today. And the funny thing is, is some people are like, my kid didn't learn anything. Y'all don't teach nothing back there. And if I were to ask you what you learned that day, you would be like the same. You'd be like, Jesus. 
Jesus. We learned Jesus. <laughs> Bible. We talked about the Bible and some stuff with some guys in there. They never remember my points. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Always my story. It's okay. So we're going to give you the point today. We're going to put it up on the screen. Here's what I want all the kids to stand up. All the Rise kids stand up. Our answer for today, our Rise kids answer is, I'm thankful for God's best. And so we're going to do some motions like that. We're going to go, I'm thankful, I'm thankful for God's best. And we're going to put our thumbs up like that, okay? All right, let's try that again. Lauren, you want to come up here and show them how to do it? Come on, Lauren. Come on, Lauren. You can on, show them how to do it. Kids. She's, she's one she of our help. My them. daughters. Can you show them how to do it? You guys? Yeah. I'm thankful for God's best. Okay, because I can't do it because I have a microphone. All I'm right. going to throw it at let's Mr. Do it Chris again. up come here. Come on, kids. All right, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Are we asleep? It's 1047. Carl, right, let's try it again. I'm thankful. For God's best. All right, moms and dads, you got to do it too. And other people who are not moms and dads, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. For God's best. For God's best. Okay, one more time. Y'all got to be louder than that. Come, Come on. on. Come, Come on, on, parents. Show your kids Come how on. you can get loud. Come on. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. For God's best. For God's best. That is good, good. And then we have a verse that we like to do every week. And so our verse that you can memorize is give thanks for everything. Ephesians 5.20, we went over that. Give thanks for everything. Yeah. You can remember that verse. They even have uh, on your coloring sheets, when you guys came in, there's coloring sheets. We even put it on your uh, little coloring sheet for you guys to take. So yeah. 